Welcome back, everyone, to Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. I am Dave Hoyt, joined by Lexi Departing. Same time. <laughs> I thought I would just surprise you and like get in there first, but I wasn't quick enough. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> it is the 20th for 21st century you can go first uh, thanks so. oh my god i'm glad i have your permission that's great <laughs> well you are my wife so oh. for it. uh welcome to the <laughs> misogyny the, the, podcast on the elder misogynist network <laughs> the brutal gender politics of podcasting Oh my god. Yeah, let's not even get started down that road. Uh, what are we talking about today? Martians. Martians. We're, we're ta- well, we're talking about the episode Martian Luck, uh, written by Mark and Matthew Edens. Uh, we've talked about this duo before. Can we, can we pause for a moment? Is Martian yeah. Luck a thing? What do you mean? Like, like the luck of the Irish? Is that a phrase? No. Yeah, the luck of the Martians? No, I think that's just for the show. Uh, yeah, if I if I Google the term Martian luck, the only thing I get is ExoSquad. <laughs> yeah, although there's a University of Pennsylvania.edu link that comes up. That's interesting. It looks like there's an old website here summarizing this episode. The, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I- Ivy League education, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. University of Pennsylvania is not Penn State. Yes. No, it's the even more prestigious you know, the uh, University of Pennsylvania. I go to the Ohio State University. <laughs> Proud Buckhouse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're uh, – and this episode just really, like, I, I, I hope this will be the last time I ever bring it up, just really brings into light how bad the last episode was <laughs> because of how good this one was. At least for me, I think this is – a fantastic yes. episode i think even on its own it would have been a great episode but then you know like it's like kind of putting a diamond next to a turd you, know, <laughs> you can't help but appreciate the diamond even more yeah uh, um oh we well i mean we'll jump right into it we we open up with um marduk the who we learn his name later in this episode the neo-sapien scientist who uh gave them the information that brought everyone to mars in the last episode is taking more readings and um a bunch of neo-sapiens show up and uh yeah yeah so we start we start out with Mar- marduk uh the neo-sapien scientist from who brought the Able Squad and everyone else in the last episode to Mars with the information that he found, taking more readings. And he is caught by other Neo Sapiens. And he flees in this really cool looking like hover car thing, um, but is inevitably or is eventually captured by the Neo Sapiens with this cool, like, like awesome, just like ginger, ke- gingerly catch with like a Neo Sapien claw E frame. It's very gentle. He's like, aha, got you. Set you down gently. <laughs> <laughs> so considerate. There's a great moment during this chase scene too, where he's like flying along a canyon, and all of a sudden, one of those like purple neo sapien, like the kind of standard E frame, just pops out from around the corners. So it's like, ha ha! And then he almost... flies right into it, which is the most yeah. hilarious part, and then like falls over. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like, like you know, like the the shooting galleries that you always see in movies, where like a cardboard cutout just like pops out on a hydraulic right in front of you like (laughs) (laughs) and uh so so obviously he is captured and the next scene we see uh winfield briefing jt marsh on the situation with marduk uh and during this he he says okay we have to go down and try to try to find him try to find what he was looking for but during this jt also receives a promotion to commander uh Bringing, elevating him above the status of leading a single exo squad and giving him the ability or the right in the military hierarchy to lead more than one squad at a time, um, and well, like. Although it's ahead. quite sweet, he like doesn't want to leave Able Squad. He's like, I'd rather yeah. stay with my squad, sir. Uh, so yeah, Winfield assures him that he'll stay with Able Squad, but he just is like being promoted to more power, right? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. like Winfield. Like Winfield says, he's earned this a dozen times over. Right. right. 
And so I, I it absolutely yes. I also get that like this is a fictional military and everything, but is it me or is lieutenant to commander like a big right? Is that a is that's a big jump in rank, right? So U.S. military ranks. Well, it's going to be different for branches. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm not a military guy. I would, I would, I would liken the Exo Squad to the Navy. So, yeah. U.S. military ranks Navy. Because, uh, like, surely there's because, like, in the army, there's what, like, captain and like a, I don't know, I don't even know if commander is a rank in the. Let's see here. Oh no! I, it is. I look at that egg on my face. Lieutenant, lieutenant commander, commander. Okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So if if this were, you know, I, I were you looking at the army or the navy? Navy. Uh, yeah. So if this were analogous to the Amy, he or the navy, the Amy, uh, he, he literal. He it looks like he literally skipped the rank. Yeah, maybe lieutenant commander, but you know, it's you know, this is the exo squad or exo fleet. So okay, maybe they don't have lieutenant commander, or maybe he was lieutenant commander Marsh, and you know, that's why Nara is also lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. Or also, some, sorry, just being pedantic. Yeah. No, no, it's it's cool. It's cool to think of, like you know, to to see, like to have so, to to compare it to today's to maybe something that it would be comparable today, and see, like you know. You know, obviously to us, like, you know, military ranks, why would we care? We're not in the military. But in, in their eyes, it's probably pretty important. And, yeah, and yeah. the and the cool thing about Marsh's character is I don't think he's one who really cares about his rank. No, I think it's it's more the duty aspect of it, I think, is the most important thing to him. Yeah, that, that, that honest-to-goodness ideal that you want for military personnel, right? Right, absolutely. Although I am looking at this, and apparently he is being promoted from a junior officer to a senior officer. Uh, not exactly entirely sure what that means, but I'm sure it's important. I mean, so, it kind of fits. It kind of fits with the idea that now he has the ability to give orders to people who are already giving orders, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. What's that? What's the other squad leader's name? Kazari or something? Yeah, like Kazari. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So uh, we cut to Nara and Marsala, who are taking a tour of her old family home, or Nara is showing it to Marsala. They have a touching moment where, you know, Marsala is like, maybe I'm lucky that I don't have brothers and sisters and a mother and father the way that you do, so I don't have to experience this loss. Which, you know, I don't think that's actually true. Uh, he, I th- yeah. He's saying that to comfort her. But I think I, I think he just says mother and father. Like I'm lucky yeah. that I was born with parents, so I don't have to lose them. But yeah, yeah. like because the brother and sister thing, he's already he's already even corrected her on that. Like he's like I have I have hundreds of brothers and sisters, and I'm I'm fighting against a shitload of them. Man, do you think do you think like Neo Sapiens act would have in any way like maybe early ones would think of the people who like actually created them? As their as their parents, that's interesting. Maybe that, Ooh. that opens up because that opens up like a whole, kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, or like a whole like Freudian can of worms. Also, in terms of <laughs> just like, well, not in the gross, weird Freudian sexual sense, but more like the whole like rebellion, like replacing the parents kind of thing. Because like you know, you kind of think about like maybe they did. They were like, okay, we're going to be docile to these people. Because they created us, this is mom and dad, or whatever. These are our parents, like so we're docile and we're supposed to listen and all that. And they're like kind of collective species juvenile era or you know moment is when they like realize that like mom and dad aren't infallible. That what they're being put through is is criminal and atrocious and inhuman. And their like kind of moment of juvenile rebellion is the actual Neo Sapien rebellion, like it's a collective species. Did kind of reading, I guess. But do Neo Sapiens have like a teenage period? Like do they get acne and their voices change and <laughs> I don't think they, they get, do. They get kind of weird and dramatic about everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, because are they born they're born fully formed, right? They don't grow up. Mar- Marsala's teenage years we just see him like studying for high school exams he's he's locked away in his room with a black light a slipknot poster and like black eye <laughs> b- black mascara 
right? Yeah, he, I mean, he can't help but get like like the uncomfortable and like embarrassing like boner during a class presentation. <laughs> follow follow me follow me on my own fan fiction uh, divergence from that idea. Team they ima- well, not no, not 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 to there, not to there. Uh, <laughs> the um, the original the original generations of Neo Sapiens maybe had that relationship, but something happened where, like, from that point forward, they had to co- they had to really divest the people who were maybe you know even lo- perhaps even like lovingly like crafting Neo Sapiens from the from the ones that they were in charge of creating because they didn't want them to have like the powers that be didn't want them to have that close relationship that's a really great point actually yeah you got to figure that like the probably like some of the initial scientists really would have had that sort of like loving creator sort of attachment oh my god please do a reboot of this where we can explore (laughs) all of these things yeah um as they're as they're touring the farm, uh, JT descends and he he cheekily says, "I'm looking for the commander of Able Squad." Duh, but you're the commander of Able Squad, JT. <laughs> right? Not you anymore. Know, I, oh, go I, ahead. You gotta love his like kind of dad like approach. He he's got such like good dad energy mm-hmm. throughout the show, and I think this is like such a shining moment of that where he's just like. Yeah, like he's just like you know, like pulling their leg in like the corniest dad way imaginable, but it's really sweet and endearing at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So Nara's uh, face when he breaks the news, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's really sweet, right? <laughs> And, and also, and also, I think like you know, taking a deeper read to it, it 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 shows like because Marsala's there, mm-hmm. and Marsala is what third. Maybe now second in command of the squad. I think so. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, it, like JT being comfortable enough to come to Nara with Marsala there. Like, he probably mm. enjoyed the fact that Marsala was there because he knows how close of a relationship they have. Yeah, yeah. So he could be happy for her as well. Yeah. Um, and we immediately we immediately jump to uh, jump to basically Able Squad and this other squad. I, I do they call them Baker Squad? They they do once I think, but they more often they refer to it by the squad leader's name. They call it Kazari Squad. Yeah, yeah. We get we get the, like JT briefing them. Kaz makes Kaz makes a joke, and like this Kazari commander who I don't like. We don't know that that's him yet, but just like glares at Kaz, like shut the <laughs> fuck up, kid. <laughs> right. Um, it's like what is Able it, Squad doing? It's too loose. <laughs> <laughs> Too loose. This is good. Gotta get. Gotta get us all killed. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, we and we see for the. We, this is the first time we see, like what I think of as the toy version of Nara of Nara's single person exosuit or mm-hmm. E-frame. Because like before she had like this little like <laughs> diving tank helmet like suit that was somewhere between a jump trooper and an e-frame now she has a now she has a full-on e-frame which i don't think we've ever seen that model anywhere else before yeah i I also i also just want to point out i love that it matches her outfit it's all like yes it's pink and green (laughs) (laughs) yeah do they do they select their (laughs) do they select their own color schemes or is it like applied to them or I, I would bet I would bet that like you know every squad's version of Maggie decides whether or not they want to like help their squad customize their e-frames like that. Mm. That's right. yeah, inter- yeah. Because um, I wonder, I kind of wonder, like, yeah, is it like once you earn your exo wings or whatever, and you can like you know, you've earned the right to fly your own specific exo for or e-frame, like you get to. Yeah, is there like a catalog that comes with like a bunch of like upgrades and like colors and changes and stuff? And it's like, do they do they pay for customizations themselves? Is are they given like an allowance? Do they get bonuses based on performance? Like, oh, if you shoot down X number of like Neo Sapien E frames uh, each month, do you get like, oh, you can get like cool new upgrades? You get like an air conditioning boost or something? Or 
Brodsky Brodsky gets the the out outer space capable fart vent. Like an extractor fan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right and like bed. a little mini vending machine that just like spits out candy bars. <laughs> it spits out those giant candy bars from the from the one episode back in the day on uh, Venus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got chicken bleaching equipment for <laughs> that oh. good bleach chicken. <laughs> so gross. So gross. Uh uh and the Able Squad and Baker Squad uh F- fly down to Mars under the cover of a volcano. I'm not sure if it's Olympus Mons. I don't think it yeah. is. They don't specify. Because there uh, is this part of the terraforming of Mars. Because as far as are the active volcanoes on Mars right now, or is this just something that they kind of introduce for drama purposes? Know. I'm as pretty sure as... there are no active volcanoes on Mars. I think you're right. As far as I know, and I am a not an astronomer or astroplanetologist or whatever that is, not that kind of doctor, but I do recall reading something about how Mars actually, they think Mars you know, probably had water and probably had more of an atmosphere and stuff once upon a time because it used to have a molten core like the Earth does that generated a magnetic field that protected it from the sun. Mm. Uh, but Mars's core has since cooled. And yes. it no longer has that same like robust magnetosphere that the Earth does, and that's part of the reason its atmosphere got blasted away. So to Dave's point, I think it's possible that um, Mars, that part of the terraforming of Mars, because we see a waterfall in this episode, so yes. that's got to be like yeah. I wanted to talk about that when we get to it. Like yeah, yeah. So I'll, we can save that for there. But I think part of this might be that you know through whatever amazing technology they have in the twenty whatever century. Uh, maybe they've restarted Mars's core to generate a magnetic, yeah. uh, a magnetosphere to protect and like thicken Mars's atmosphere. They uh, they send Hillary Swank down there with a nuke to get the core started. <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> uh, according to the first Google result, there are no active volcanoes on Mars, but there are also studies to find active volcanoes on Mars. <laughs> oh, I mean, so maybe there are. Maybe they're just really small. It's more like a you know, little little bump. Yeah. <laughs> then a volcano. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, the so the, as they as they survey survey the area, they decide to take uh, to make camp in a cave. And I I love I love like the sequence sequence of events. They get in there. People start getting out of their e frames, and then JT is like, Maggie, make sure these gases aren't poisonous. <laughs> and then Kaz <laughs> makes a fucking fart joke with. <laughs> Well, yeah, because like Brodsky. when Brodsky says he's gonna like sleep outside. Yeah, after after JT says that, Brodsky's like, I think I'll sleep outside. And Kaz just not even missing a beat. It's like, well, that'll take care of some of the deadly gases. <laughs> so I love that. It's a great scene. Oh man, I, I'm always here for fart humor, and it's nice to see. I mean, it's like the show has it all. Like, how many other kids' cartoons can you remember that have like fart jokes and like actual, honest to god, fart jokes? Well, the, the, like jo- the Animaniacs. The jokes and puns in this episode are are just on point. Like, like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there, if there's some kind, if there was some kind of brotherly connection between Mark and Matthew, but like it feels, especially between Kaz and Brodsky, it feels like two, like a younger and an older brother just harassing yeah. each other, yeah, the yeah, whole totally. time. Yeah, and it, I mean, I kind of, to your point earlier at the beginning of the episode. It's really it, something went wrong with the last time with the fire ships episode. Something was off kilter because this is what you come to expect from this show, right? Like this is this yeah. is like the quality of the show, and you can just see there's something off here. Yeah, yep. Uh, after uh, JT JT continues to give orders in the camp, and Marsala says maybe these orders should be coming from the the leader of the squad, implying that mm-hmm. he JT should step back and let Nara take the lead because she needs to be encouraged by the idea that JT is giving her her his full confidence. Um, yeah. Man, I want I, like Marsala like I want him to be my friend. Like, right. I feel- I feel like I feel like he is just the straight up best friend a person could possibly have. Um, after making yeah. camp in 
After making camp in the cave, uh, Able Squad continue, and Baker Squad continue their search uh, for, uh, like, I, I actually don't know what they're looking for. Maybe they're just patrolling? Um, that part of the episode and- wasn't clear, because they're doing recon, but they're not doing it very subtly. Like, they're just yeah. flying around shooting stuff, so... <laughs> Yeah. I, th- I think they're they're trying to find out what happened to Marduk, and there's like a meeting set up, right? Like they're gonna meet with him or something. I don't know. Well, I'm not really sure. I think I, I feel I feel like the the most reasonable explanation is they came down here based on like where they thought he was taking readings and are trying to find him to maybe like mm. figure out like is he injured? Is he hurt somewhere? And that's why they're looking around. But while they're doing this, they they are attacked by. Um, by some neo sapiens mm, and okay. like uh Na- nara is shot down um this is one of the episodes where like we're really demonstrating like especially on mars how dangerous it is for any exo trooper to be on or close to mars it is the neo sapien stronghold yeah but yeah away. which it seems i don't know it seems kind of a you know i know they're doing like us they're supposed to be doing like a secret recon mission and stuff but it just seems Sending two full squads, which it just that seems like a great way to just attract attention, call attention to yourself, and yeah. you know get spotted and have a calamity like what happens happen. Well, I mean, maybe that speaks to how important Winfield or the importance that Winfield puts on Marduk is that he's willing to risk this many good yeah. people to go and find him. I do um, think it was just a, a recon mission, though. I think he's like, well, I want to know what's down there. I mean, because they're obviously like they're going to be fixing to attack Mars at some point here in the near future. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Also, uh, really quickly, can we just pause on the name Marduk? Because um, we have been kind of doing backgrounds yeah. on some of the Neo-Sapien names, and Marduk is a fun one because he is a Babylonian deity oh. uh, and the patron deity of the city of Babylon. Um, I know this because there's a rad black metal band I grew up listening to named Marduk. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was like, oh yeah, his name's Marduk. That's rad. I've had forgotten that. Um, but yeah, so he's like kind of like Babylonian Zeus um, in a lot of ways. Big bearded guy, um, has a whole kind of really cool uh, story uh, and cycle. And there's, like a, there's a big epic uh, that he features in and stuff. So. Cool. I never knew that. I, I, I've heard I've heard the name Marduk before. I just ne- like I never bothered to look it up. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, and it's in the same pantheon as like Kingu and Tiamat and like a lot of that stuff. Huh. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So uh, during during this fight, you see this really like brutal like the Neo Sapien E-frame with the giant claw is like slowly tearing into Nara's E-frame to get to her, um, which would be terrifying. Uh, (laughs) It's a good action, too, just all around. Yeah. You know, this episode is full of good action. You know, we we constantly say this as we go throughout the series, but, like, they keep one-upping themselves on the action in the series, and it just keeps getting better and better Mm -hmm. and better all the time. Yeah. but the rest of Able Squad manages to save Nara, and they retreat back to the base camp. Nara is uh, distraught about the failure of her first mission as squad leader, uh, but Marcel and JT try to um, try to encourage her, saying, "You know, like shit happens. Like <laughs> we gotta we gotta move on." Uh, yeah. And I, I also just okay. really quickly a great moment during this fight scene where we get Rita again having a hand, super good. But she says something like, "I'm oh, like somebody's in trouble." I think it's I think it's Nara, and she's like, "I'm gonna lend you a hand." And her like hand, I don't know if we've seen it do this yet, but it like Did, sort of go go gadget extends and like knocks punches. out another Safini of Ephraim. That is, I think it's the one that's tearing Nara apart. Actually, yeah, she just like punches right through him, and, and that's the <laughs> that's the the enhancement that Algernon made to her Ephraim. Was the punching oh. hand? The hydraulic super punch. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. I don't think we've seen it yet, have we? She does. If she has used it, like I think probably one of the only times we saw it was when they showed it in the episode that Algernon was showing off. Like, uh, yeah, the demo, their enhancements. Yeah, she does. She hasn't used it very often up to this point, and we see it a few times in this episode. I think, Um, and like when 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 Marsala and JT are trying to like console Nara, like I just wanted to like reach out and tell it like it's, it's like shake them and be like you're making it worse guys <laughs> like, yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, shit does happen, so they're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're not wrong, but like, yeah, let her, let her, let her have, let her have some time, let her have some space, right? Yeah. Um, the Alec Alec informs JT that Marduk has resumed contact, but it is a trap being laid by Typhonus to uh, to capture and kill Able Squad and Baker Squad. I don't think he knows that it's Able Squad that's down there. Uh, the JT is there, or Marsala. Um, but you know, we see we see him we see him and a Neo Omega. Who I can't remember. Like, do we know that Neo Omega's name? I can't remember. I don't think so. I think they kind of fade into. They have their moment in the sun where they're like, "Oh, we're super smart," and then they get their comeuppance, and then they just kind of fade into the background. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we we see we see them like pressuring Marduk to do this to lure the Exo Troopers into this trap. Um, they they go they go to the supposed meeting place Ellis Falls, I think is what it's called, um, where they're supposed to meet Marduk. And this is where I want to talk about like the waterfalls. Like obviously there are no waterfalls on Mars right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. definitely part of the yes. terraforming uh, it, initiative. <laughs> Is is did the terraforming melt enough ice to make this waterfall, or did they build like a reservoir and make like because there's a lookout point? Did they make like a tourist attraction? I mean, probably, yeah. You got to imagine because you know um, people would probably do tourism to Mars, and you got to imagine that might actually be a piece of the Neosapien economy. Is like people coming to do tourism camp hike see stuff like ellis falls yeah yeah and you have to imagine that it probably was the neosapiens who built that there because when the neosapiens were mining mars it probably wasn't a place where tourists would go right it was right. Just an, it was just an industrial planet right right yeah so it's like part of their effort to you know like pre-phaeton efforts to yeah i don't know yeah to do something other than just be an industrial planet a Neo, Neo Sapien spinoff of Parks and Rec. Um. Yes, I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the Leslie Nope Neo Sapien. Uh, oh my uh, Where was I? Oh, um, yeah. So the, uh, and also we get this, we get this scene where like Marduk gets out of the car or whatever at the lookout point and Alec is like scanning with this really like shitty resolution like red light scanner to yes. see if it's actually him. Yes, it was like we're on Mars and you haven't managed to like get better resolution. This is so pixelated. <laughs> what is happening? In the days before high def. Right. And it's it, it's it's like Marsala is so close to them that he could just look and see if the brood mark was right. <laughs> like oh, right. that's him. <laughs> yeah, can they is it possible for them to forge their brood marks i mean you have to imagine if you had a good enough makeup artist you could just put a latex one on their head and blend it I in guess so yeah like, i wonder if that's like is that like a thing like like faking your brood marks and stuff identity I, theft for neosapiens <laughs> right exactly. well think about it if you found a neosapien who looked like you know close enough to marsala you could sneak a fake marsala into exofleet that's true yeah I mean, well, and it's not like the humans could tell them apart. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to sound like maybe kind of dumb here, but don't, aren't they like hundreds of them with the same brood mark? Because they come from See, a brood? I don't I don't know if there are, because Phaeton and Marsala are supposedly from the same brood, but their marks are yes. different. Yep. And we've never seen two Neosapiens that have the same brood marks. So That's I kind of wonder if it's like fingerprints, like you just kind of have your unique one. The question is, like, are they naturally occurring, or is this something that, like, whoever designs them, like, when they're in the tank, does the uh, there's, there's an NFT process whatever? making them, and they get stamped <laughs> yeah. on their head. It's yes. all NFTs. Each Neosapien is born with an NFT. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's how they terraform Mars. All the all the excess energy used to make NFTs made enough greenhouse gases that it was made livable. <laughs> they thicken the atmosphere. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, my apologies to anyone who's holding Bitcoin. Sorry. <laughs> uh, for, for what happened to the market, not because of anything we said, like your fault for yeah. investing in Bitcoin. But yeah, yeah. oops. <laughs> oops. Yeah. Whoopsie. Damn. 
the the Marsala is cloaked next to Marduk and gets out of his E-frame and Marduk immediately warns him about the trap. And Typhonus's forces are like, oh no, we've been double-crossed and they begin attacking. This And the Exotroopers are at a pretty big disadvantage because they're kind of on the low ground. They didn't know Typhonus was there. And like it starts this really long, desperate battle scene where yeah. like a bunch of Baker squad dies. Um you know, immediately Marsala is injured. Marduk is shot and exploded over the railing of that lookout point into the falls, presumably dying from the fall. Yeah, um, he has a. I mean, he has a pretty epic like. Yeah, fall scene. Uh, you know, like kudos to them for resisting using the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I wish yes. he'd screamed. Conveniently removed from the plot, <laughs> just like Barco. <laughs> Which. It's kind of a bummer because I don't know. I wanted to know more about this, like this brave Neo Sapien who's like risking it all on Mars, which has to probably be one of the most heavily surveilled places in the Neo Sapien mm-hmm. Empire. Right. To get information to actually, like, what, like, you know, what's his motivation? Obviously, you know, he's like unhappy with Phaeton or whatever. But I want to know more. He sounds like a, uh, like he sounds like another Thrax type character. Yeah. And yeah. I was really sad to just see him go over the falls. I almost get the impression that like he discovered the underground facility that we'll we'll see much more about later and was thinking what is this how come i don't know about it and is phaeton making a super weapon like something that will destroy us all and that's why he went to exofleet like maybe like you know a little bit a little bit of the good the good almost altruistic thing trying to stop phaeton who's clearly at this point evil and and all but also like I don't know what this is. I don't want to be a, a victim to it. So right. I need to help. I need to help the exo fleet. Yeah. You know, and he's like, he's got like, maybe he's like a Neo sapien Patriot and realizes that like Phaeton is the way to doom and that his, his, his deep seated Neo sapien Patriotism calls on him actually to turn on Phaeton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sad. I, you know, we get plenty out of the show, like tying off this plot thread is totally understandable, but I would have liked to have seen a little more of Marduk. Yeah. Uh, the so, but uh, like I said, Marsala Marsala is kind of knocked out at the beginning of the fight. JT goes to rescue him, and um, JT is shot in the back by Typhonus, uh, knocking him out. But not before not before he gets to Marsala, and he's like, "Can you fly?" And Marsala's just like, <laughs> again, the jokes and puns in this episode. It's like, I assume you mean in an E-frame. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and get in your E-frame. <laughs> Yeah, well, doesn't JT? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he says, "Uh, this is like a funny time to grow a sense of humor or something like." Which, which is patently false because Marsala is the funniest person in the squad. I know he's been cracking jokes the whole show. <laughs> it's just like at some point, like I kind of, I, I just want him to turn to the to them and just be like, "What the hell do I have to do to convince you people that I have a sense of fucking humor?" Right? Do I have to? Do I have to get my own Netflix comedy special to convince you people? <laughs> Oh my god, Marsala's stand-up, could you imagine? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just be dad jokes for an hour. <laughs> I'm so Wonderful. here for it, let's do it. Uh, we, uh, I was talking about before, I think this is, you know, again, escalating every, every as the series goes on, one of the best, if not the best, battle sequences in the show so far. Yeah. Um, there's this weird thing where like Brodsky and Kaz are flying side by side and Brodsky's like, Yahoo! And he flies through the waterfall and he looks so pissed off after he does it. He's like, ugh. <laughs> Which is also weird because it's like you're in an E-frame. Like what difference does – I don't know. I was like, that looks like fun. Why are you upset cle- about this? It cleaned my E-frame. <laughs> yeah, well, Brodsky's exactly the kind of guy who would not like wash his e-frame because it's like for for luck or something he's like if i never wash it i'll never crash like he's exactly that kind of person (laughs) proceeds to immediately crash (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right typhonus is pinned down um marsala and jt and rita like saves them she she just starts she just starts blasting and um it, but in the course of doing this, 
she is shot down by Typhonus's forces. And uh, like her, her, the arm of her E-frame is blown off. She crawls out of her E-frame after it crashes on the ground at the bottom of the falls. And Kaz goes to look for her. Are you, are you saying something, Kayvon? Mm, no. Okay. It, it, I, think, I think it might be that feedback loop again for some reason. Um, it, uh, Kaz goes down to look for her and gets there just as her E-frame explodes. And, you know, they kind of presume at this point, oh, she's she's gone. She, Rita, Rita has been killed. Uh, and Nara tells them to pull out along with the surviving members of Baker Squad. Maggie saves JT's E-frame for some reason. I mean, <laughs> it seems seems like a really risky maneuver here. Uh, yeah. and, I mean, um, I think there's a certain sense to it because, like, there's a degree of combat effectiveness that they lose if he's not able to have an E-frame. True. And she can presumably repair it. And I mean, because each individual E-frame is its own, like, monster weapons platform. That's so, true. you know, like it's worth it's worth trying to salvage, especially with how many losses they've taken. Mm-hmm. I actually I, the the good explanation in my head was that they didn't want the Neosapiens to capture the technology in his E-frame, the solar flare specifically. That too. Yeah, that also that, yeah. Uh, but they they end up dropping the E-frame as the Neosapiens are pursuing them. And Alec identifies a cave that they can use to escape it, <laughs> Alec fires off his like EMP blast and kills all the Neo Sapiens pursuing them through the cave as Typhonus is standing on the other side. He's like, "No, nah, I ain't going in there." <laughs> well, it's not. It's not like a. It's like some weird jamming thing, right? That's not his. Uh, that's not his. Like, yeah, thing he got from Algernon. It's something else, right? Because he has it, the chain lightning from Algernon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, Maggie has the chain lightning. He has like the AOE burst. Uh, EMP blast. Oh, okay. And so maybe that's, that's what this that's is. That's what this is, right? It's the EMP. Yeah. I think I think it's what it is. Okay. He says something about like, let's see how they like having their electronics jam, which that would actually open. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. I yeah. am too much of a stoner, I guess. <laughs> uh, so the, it, the, the survivors escape um, and uh, we cut to a scene where a lone Neo-Sapien, wait, no. Yeah, we got to a scene where a lone Neo-Sapien finds Rita's body. And um, it's not clear whether or not she's alive. Uh, but she, but some small, unidentified E-frames, like, goop up that Neo-Sapien's windshield, blind him with a bright light, and escape with Rita before he can, like, figure out what's going on. I yeah, love that's... I love that the goop it looks like peach juice or something. They're just like <laughs> on his uh, like, windshield. <laughs> he, he straight up got Nickelodeon slimed. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> it's like the Home Alone Battalion or something. Basically, <laughs> and, well, later we learn that's kind of what they are. Right. Um, uh, back at base, Bronsky and Kaz are mourning the loss of Rita uh, and decide to head back to search for her just in case she survived against the orders of um, Kazari and Nara. They leave and uh, JT wakes up to the casualty report from Nara. And also, you know, at this point they realize that Kaz and Wolf have left and Nara decides to follow them. Uh, This conversation happens just as they are finding the, which I don't, we, I don't think we've ever seen this before. The black box from Rita's E-frame. Yes. Yeah, and it says, like, yeah. Sergeant Torres, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and they're about ready to go back, but uh, Bronski sees some Y-wings and in his, you know, rage and sorrow, goes and takes out these these Neo-Sapien soldiers uh, for, to get a bit of revenge. Um, and after he does that, you know, Nara finally gets to them and says, hey, we got to go back now. And they they finally do. This is also um, the scene Kavon pointed this out while we're watching, but Bronsky shoots a laser out of like his missiles. Yeah, it's always there's a, there's a lot of continuity errors as to whether or not those are missiles or lasers. <laughs> Laser <laughs> I mean, missiles. Sometimes it, it just seems to vary uh, episode by episode, but 
I'm kind of here for it. You know, you have laser emitting missiles. It's the future. Why not? Well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you have like you know a barrel that could shoot a missile, and then after the missile's gone, it shoots out lasers, right? Yeah. Except why even? Well, let's go a step further. Why not have a missile that can shoot lasers that you, know, you can yeah. shoot before you shoot the missile? Fuck it, it's the future. Let's do it, right? Too close for lasers. I'm switching to missiles. <laughs> but we can't get a better resolution on our software that identifies like Marduk. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> they, obviously, data. they obviously lost the metaverse in the great in the great um in the great social media wars of 2075. <laughs> um, so they lost all that facial recognition technology. Right. Amazing. It's the, it's like Dune's Butlerian Jihad, but for like social media <laughs> facial recognition. Yeah. I was thinking more Demolition Man's Franchise Wars. Oh, the only survivor was Taco Bell. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk strangled each other to death. Uh, a man can dream. A I know, right? What a, what a beautiful future that would be. <laughs> um, and uh, at the end of the episode, we we are. It is revealed that Rita's rescuers are a bunch of children, uh, yeah. and they they identify themselves as an exo scout troop. And then the episode ends, and we'll we'll learn more about them uh, in the next one. Yeah. Uh, we also get this great ending card for Avery Butler. Telling us about how, uh, you know, he, because he can't deliver the letters, he's still saving every letter for every lost member of his company to deliver to the families after the war. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really nice touch. And really dark. Like, it's, again, like, you know, kind of one of those just dark moments. It's already a pretty dark episode because we lose half the Baker squad. We lose Rita. Um, And then, yeah, you just have this, like, really kind of grim, yeah video trading card where it's like yeah like casualties remember kids people die in war it's not it's not G.I. Joe yeah yeah they're not always just missing <laughs> like yeah and I don't know it's just especially now with I'm not I don't want to get into the politics of, of the whole Ukraine thing but the like in the early days all these gung-ho people from all over the world that were like we're gonna go to Ukraine and have a glorious whatever and you know within a week most of them were coming back after like you know, realizing that war is a serious fucking business and people die and it's miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, you know, I think like we need more media like this that is like, listen, war is ugly. It's brutal. People die. It's emotionally traumatizing. There's nothing good about it, even right. when it's in so-called like necessary war. Um, it's This isn't fucking glorious. <laughs> and yeah. That's again, you know, I've said it before on the show a bunch of times, but I think that's what really makes this show just stand out beyond anything else so do you yeah. think this show is the reason that you are a like beta cuck or <laughs> yes uh, 100, this You're and such a pacifist. My high, high soy high soy high carb diet <laughs> <laughs> made me a pacifist a marxist a cultural marxist yeah all that i'm sorry you had to marry uh, such a low tier low t man yeah low quality yeah sorry <laughs> i wish i could provide for you better oh my god well, Sorry, this is what we do um, all the time. Just so know, like this is just a running joke between us. Um, yeah, but the show is good for exactly that, right? Like demonstrating the the scary stuff about war that we don't often see in a lot of other media depictions, especially for children, right? Because you can't mm-hmm. show like death and gore and whatever. I mean, I guess you could let your kids watch Saving Private Ryan, but. I don't know. I'm not a parent. I don't know what's normal nowadays. Um, so fun. It's funny you bring that up because my dad actually took my brother and I to see Saving Private Ryan because he read in a newspaper that it was a graphic and realistic depiction of war. Yeah, yeah. How old were you? Do you? Remember? I was, I think, about thirteen, and my little brother would have been uh, seven or eight at the time. Yeah. Did, uh, did I don't know if it was normal. Were you? Were you around? Yeah, you had to have been because well, no, you came, you came, you came to Franklin in ninth grade, right? Eighth, but I didn't meet you until ninth. Okay, did it were was were you there when they when they got when they made us all watch like the unedited version of Schindler's List in school? <laughs> yes, I think that was like tenth grade. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah, I do remember that. Imagine, imagine them doing that now. Oh, yeah. No, you would have, like, all kinds of... It'd be like, oh, this is political. This is critical race theory. 
Yeah, especially at that school. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, yeah, I wonder. I do kind of wonder what our high school is like now. Is it like ultra conservative? You know? I, I think. He, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to ask some of some of our friends who have kids going there now. But like, I can't imagine it got better. No, <laughs> I can't either. Ooh. Yikes! Uh, thank God we're not in school now. <laughs> anyway, on that note, make your kids watch uh, Exo Squad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, great. Um, and that's that's the thing. I think we talked about this once a while ago, but I kind of wonder what, like, how the show would be received today. Like, would people mm. come at it for its like kind of implicit and at times explicit, like pacifist and anti-war message? But I kind of like politics in my cartoons. Well, I love politics in my cartoons, so go eat a dick. Of course, yeah, I just like, I just wonder the backlash, because like, there's also sort of like the implicit, like, you know, critiques of racism that they do here and stuff, where people be like, oh, this this stuff about the sapiens and structural racism is critical race theory, I don't want it in my cartoons. Yeah. Oh man, those those fucking tools from Florida would be all over this shit. (laughs) Ron DeSantis bans Exo Squad. Yes. Oh man! Oh, like, I, I, like it, we say it as a joke, but I could one hundred percent see it. Yes. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we do live in the in like I, I, Lexi and I talk about this a lot, but like I'm firmly convinced that we live in an absurdist comedy, like a really dark, bleak, shitty absurdist comedy. Yeah. We kind it's of just like, like that sometimes. The most ridiculous thing you can imagine happens all the time. Yep. Well. On, on on that on that note, you guys, anything you want to suggest for people this week? No, honestly, we've been driving around so much that we have hardly interacted with media or anything. Yeah, that's not gotcha. a road. <laughs> yeah, we have been. Uh, although, actually, you know what? Uh, so we, I think we talked about the Halo show recently. I think maybe the last yeah. episode or two. Uh, I have to say, I, watching some of the more recent episodes, I think we're in the second to last. I think we were caught up to the second to last episode of the season. Mm. It is getting better. Um, oh, okay. I, I'll have to honestly, pick it up again. I would, I would stick with it. The first half of the season is a little rough, but it just gets better and better, and they kind of find a way to get you to kind of care. I think Pablo Schreiber's acting picks up a little more. Uh, the action picks up, and in general, because have you gotten to the episode where they find the second artifact and they try and get it off that planet? Uh, I'm at the episode where they're, I think they're just about to get to that. Okay, that's really where the show picked up for me, and yeah. uh, we just watched the second to last episode, and it ends on a cliffhanger, and we haven't had time to watch the next, the uh, most recent one, but... I'm well, really excited to actually have the time to sit down and watch it. It's really turned itself around to the point where it's like, okay, like I'm ready. Like, let's do a second season of this. I want to see the flood. Cool. <laughs> well, I, I, now I'm looking forward to it with that endorsement. Like, yeah. yeah. I guess uh, the only other piece of media I would suggest, because we, and I, I don't know if we brought this up before, but we often listen to a lot of podcasts when we drive across the country, obviously. Uh-huh. And like narrative, like a good horror narrative podcast is hard to come by, but... um the white vault which we've been listening to for years yeah it's like this ongoing series um and every summer we're really excited when they release a new season because it's like i don't know 10 hours of listening or something for us i'll Um, I'll have to check that out on my next trips to pittsburgh it's really good it's kind of like lovecraftian yeah horror vibes it's very good yeah like explorer or uh what do you call it uh expedition to a remote place uh where there are ancient gods and like monsters and just very yeah like like she said deeply lovecrafty and fantastic horror uh creepy as hell honestly yeah yeah it's really good and the latest right. season was incredible <laughs> um the only uh i would like to recommend and uh, this was this is a surprise to me the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Wait, yeah, it is not like I'm not saying it's like a ten out of ten or anything, but it is. It's made by the Lonely Island guys, oh and it's a, it's a ref, it's a reference comedy, like one hundred percent, just full of chock full of references for nerds and media and media files. But like, it is surprisingly good. <laughs> Hell yeah. It does. I will. I will spoil this because you know it's 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 pretty clear in the movie. It has this very strange message 
that violating Disney's copyrights is analogous to human trafficking, which I'm not sure if it was intended to be so tone deaf, but it kind of is if you're looking at it with any kind of critical eye. That's beautiful. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> but yeah, it's I uh, if you if you got Disney Plus, it's uh, it's it, it, I think they just directly released it to it. It's it is really good. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm it. looking at the like the credits. It's got a hell of a cast. Oh yeah, like this. I I know the the cinematography guy is like super famous for being like a master in his craft. Like, how did you land these people for this? Yeah. Well, and it's like, let's see, it's John Mulaney, Andy Samberg as Chip and Dale, then Will Arnett, Eric Bana, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, and uh, somebody named Kiki Lane that I don't know. But yeah, that's a it, solid cast. And, Tr- and Tress McNeil reprising her role as Gadget. Like, like what How the what? fuck? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, we, uh, we might actually have to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hope hope every hope everyone enjoyed the episode this week. I know I I enjoyed watching watching this one because it's a it's a fan, it's just a fantastic episode mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. uh, everyone stay happy happy safe and healthy and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.